I think they the call came in saying, would you be up for it? And, and when perennial call you on a genuine serious note, you just put your hand up in the air and go, yes. Hello, hello and hello my gardening friends and welcome to episode 17 from Pot and Cloche garden podcast as i'm sure you know by now i'm joff elphick a gardener from gloucestershire in england and in this episode i speak to peter donegan a man who is eternally happy he's the lead designer for diy sos island and he's designed gardens for the rhs cardiff and hampton court flower shows more recently he was chosen to design and realize the irish world war one centenary peace garden at chateau de peron in france now, I've got exciting news, a new sponsor for the podcast. It's Genus Performance Gardenware. Genus is the world's only brand of high performance and technical clothing specially designed for gardeners. They offer a range of men's and women's gardening clothes and gardening accessories with new styles and colours being introduced all the time. I particularly love their three-season gardening trousers, which are worn by celebrity gardeners, head gardeners and serious gardeners all over the world. I absolutely love mine, whether I'm gardening or dog walking or even down the pub, just ask my wife. Now, take some time out if you can to have a look at what they have to offer by visiting genus.gs. Now, back to my conversation with Peter. I first came across Peter in about 2016 when I started listening to podcasts. Peter had an incredibly popular podcast, The Sod Show. At the time, there wasn't a great deal to listen to. So it was him, Jane Perone and Alice Fowler with So Grow Repeat and Gardens Illustrated. There was very little else out there to listen to. They were real pioneers. Peter is no longer producing his show, but I'm happy to say that episodes are still available. He had conversations with Mark Diacono, Charles Dowding, Joe Thompson, James Basson, Barbara Segal, and hundreds of others. But always one to seize the day, he met and interviewed photographer Andrea Jones in an airport. As a garden designer who's constantly on the go, was this a regular occurrence? I seem to meet people in the oddest places ever. Uh, Kate Gold, I think we, we interviewed in a in a car park. Joe Thompson was sitting on an Eye for Williams trailer that squeaked a lot. Uh, Andrew Fisher Tomlin, we had a girl who kept on opening the door and closing it and had a bad squeak. Every Everything, Joff, was, uh, it was like a Jack Russell, if I may. It, it had something, a wonky leg. It always seemed to become quite endearing, but there, you, you were just waiting for their thing to to happen but we were uh, on a we didn't have a budget maybe where where the others did and you're bang on the money my my favorite one from so grow repeat was at chelsea and they had a guy live at the time recorded obviously cutting the top off a bottle of champagne and three girls breaking their barney's laughing uh, Gardens Illustrated were at the time the creme de la creme and, and took the most of the, the Chelsea, if you will, names at the time. Um, the Royal Horticultural Society obviously uh, did their thing and, and, and you had the BBC and it was uh, an odd time for a guy who used to grow plants under his bed who, who knew what phototropism was at age six and did his first garden. That's me, by the way. Uh, I'm speaking <laughs> in the third person. But did his first garden age nine and then 
and then you you we seemed to enter a sort of a period where everything was um, a little bit sort of philharmonic orchestras, and the the bit inside my head was always the the why, uh, which is ultimately how I got into horticulture. Why the plants lean towards the light? Well, because the light is there, and and that answer wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to know what the stimulus in the plant was. What was that thing that made it go? We're all going this way. And when you get into uh, a, a person who, uh, the book I have in front of me at the minute, as by the way, is ideas I get in the middle of the night when I should be sleeping. And it's all of my little doodles. And Ed Burnham, uh, who I love dearly, Burnham Landscape, and who we've worked with on a number of occasions, Ed Burnham will in, impromptu, he'll text me saying, get out your things I should be doing in the middle of the night book. We need a garden or we need an idea or we need something. And sometimes it just comes sporadically. And sometimes there actually is a strategic answer to why you made life more difficult for yourself in garden design. And none of the shows seemed to be doing that at the time. It was always your planting was very nice. Or would you like to tell us about the plants that were in it? And I'm saying there's a big three story structure in there. It's asked them why. And so we, we, did the Sex Pistols and we sailed the boat down the Thames. And <laughs> at, at the time, now it's nothing uh, new. But but yeah, it was it was a good journey, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, certainly was. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we've come on from those days in about 2016 to 2022. And I think there's well over 30, 35, even 40 uh, podcasts you can listen to now. So uh, how, how things have changed. The Sod Show, unfortunately, isn't going any, any longer, is it? But uh, it's still available for those that wish to listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's been duly replaced by somebody far better looking than me who wears glasses, which is you, Geoff. <laughs> well, <I'm>, thank you. <laughs> you're most welcome, but but I genuinely mean it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I know you know that. Um, but but you're right, there's a plethora of... But, but again, if you go back to when it was there wasn't much on the airwaves and there wasn't really anybody asking those uh, impromptu daydream questions where you got to see behind the curtains, if you will. Um, and, and yeah. And, and as a, by the way, for your listeners, if they haven't heard it already, we spoke about this before we came on air, but your interview with Alan Sargent, I just, that to me is just, it's Dave Bowie stuff. Absolutely credit where it's due to you both. It's just genius, except for, and we did discuss this off air, and I I'm, I have to say this, and you better leave it in, but uh, Garrett Wilson, his head must be ginormous after getting what a, what a compliment to get from, from one absolute gentleman, I will say in brackets, to another. Um, you weren't but, that polite but, earlier. <laughs> uh, no, I, what I was saying was I would have loved to have slipped 50 euro to Alan or pounds, 100 to, I don't care how much, it's, it's fictitious money. Bitcoin these Alan. days, some Bitcoin, I think, yeah. To say something nice about me and then go to Gareth and go, now you know how it feels. <laughs> Your head must be ginormous. He is so good looking. He is so intelligent. He just, he can't get it wrong. He's he's like the Bee Gees wrapped into one person and 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 he he's another absolute gentleman who I love, and I'll probably see him at the APL Awards. But <laughs> but there you go. That's well, that's my sense of humour. Let's let's hope he hears this. Um, now, um, so. of course, I'm assuming that uh, a lot of people will have heard of you, but it's not always the case. So first of all, um, they may have guessed uh, 
you're not from this part of the country. So uh, where are you tonight? Are you you're at home? We I'm 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 Dublin. My postal address is Dublin. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, Jim Jim from Pro Landscaper asked me this uh, at Futurescape. He he interviewed me there. And I think I said to Jim, uh, we'll discount the last two years just for the minute because that's been overdone anyway. But I would do invariably about 35 to 40 weeks a year out of the country or away from home uh, traveling for, for work. So the, the answer is I have a postal address. It's in Dublin. Jim's question to me was, would you move to London? And I said, I'd move to London, but I'd still be 35 or 40 weeks away from home. <laughs> yes <laughs> and that's that's the truth but so well, like it, it, yeah i've got to stop you there because I, I when i found out where you live i was gonna make a hilarious joke about uh you know is it a long way to tipperary now <laughs> which isn't funny but do you know what that's quite interesting because that song originally was um it was sort of a, a lament an irishman working in london um, thinking of being back at home. Uh, and it's only in recent years, well, since then, it's turned into a sort of a marching song, a, a military marching song. But yeah, it was originally written about, he's missing home, basically. Yeah, but the, the Irish, I think the greatest export, the greatest Irish export ever is its people. And, and the joke I make with any of the Australian people I speak to is, you know, how many Irish generations behind where you are, have you applied for your Irish passport yet? And it's the same thing in, in, in London. And it's only when you go to places like Cricklewood and uh, Kilburn in particular, and then head up towards Highgate, where uh, I used to do work way back when, when I was going through college. And, and every person along there, that's, that's now started to change. And they're now second, third generation Irish that are now no longer... Irish, if you will, you know, that the parents <laughs> have passed on and we're, we're, we're around to that again. But but when you see what, what Kilburn in particular used to have, uh, used to be uh, back in, say, the, the late 80s, 90s, and now the Irish clubs are, are gone and the revolution starts again. And But it's it, it, people travelling is is nothing new. It happens. Uh, and, and I think, but, but look, you're talking to a guy who's one of eight children. <laughs> and and I, I worked in London when I was 17 and I worked in Germany and I worked in France and I've lived in Scotland and the horticulture has brought me all over the world and it's the only thing I'd ever say to anybody, students of horticulture uh, who are starting off is go abroad because you, you know yourself, if you go to a place like Madeira and you see the, the three inch cracks in the, the roadway between the edge of what is a retaining wall and what is a pathway, it's planted. It, it is It is mind-blowing I know it's a bit more of a touristy uh, island, but it's funny enough when you go to places like France then and Amiens in particular, and you see where they have high uh, bustle and hustle streets and bits of work that we would do over there. The, the instruction that we would get is that it has to be vibrant. So the colors are all like popping candy. They're yellows and reds, purples, and et cetera, et cetera. And in places then where you've got, uh, say, uh, elements of, shall I call it, misdemeanor, just for the moment, the, the, the colouring and the planting is a little bit more sombre and it slows you down and it cools you and it calms you. It makes you, it makes you feel like you're listening to a, 
Terry Rowe good morning breakfast show and I'm not going to upset your day and <laughs> you're going about your business there sunshine and that's and, and that's so traveling in, in horticulture for me had to be done anyway and when you get to somewhere like the Koikenhof where you go to South Africa where, where I've been privileged to be a part of Garden Bills over there um, things just change and the understanding that an apple tree in London uh, or, or the Cotswolds is a lemon tree over there and they grow as quickly is mind-blowing considering we buy them in Tesco's in a net for 99p and then you see it in the flesh and you're scratching your head saying how did <laughs> and, you, and you're you're still a mature person but does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so, um, so that we've heard about the young Peter um, growing things under his bed or on top of the wardrobe wherever it may be Let, let's move forward a little bit to the sort of the early noughties i think it was when you were involved in quite some interesting designs what was it 16th and 17th century gardens you were you were designing or working on yeah we it, it was a it, my whole career joff was to be fair a bit of a it's a freak in in a sense that i was i was i was an old man in corduroys with a smoking jacket and a pipe when i was say 12 uh, and, and or I was bored of doing you know planting in a front garden with, with a lawn in the middle and a few trees on the outside for me that had already been done and so by the time I got to college and out the far side my, my brain just didn't sit still and I wanted to escalate and it escalated at a rate of, of knots to where I ended up doing my first garden ever at 24 going 25 years of age under my own name uh, was two stories at the front and three stories at the back, but the access down was um, about six hundred wide, which is if you if you measure from your shoulder to your shoulder, it's tight. That's number one, and the trajectory was about a, a minus twenty five degree angle, which means you can't you can't put a wheelbarrow down it. And we filled three roll on roll off skips, which had to be taken out manually. So we were straight into twenty four years of age. We were straight into cranes. Um, gardens that were extremely difficult to build that nobody else wanted to touch because you could make money faster. And I, I, I seemed to garner a reputation for doing things that were a, a bit different. Um, and that was that. But this is pre-internet days and pre-Instagram. So it was a little bit more, uh, a little bit harder maybe to get the name out. Um, by 30-something years of age, five years in business, we had done three, two three-year bills, uh, one completed one year after the next, if I may, but the two of them at one point in time ran consecutively. And uh, the first one was a 55-acre 18th century estate, and the second one was a 27-acre 17th century estate. And you're scratching your head when you get out the far side of that, and you're going, well, well, what do, what do I what do I do? What do I do now? In the, in the keep your mind occupied, and, and anybody who says, look, you're going to be a millionaire pop star with your own calendar on sale in the local Sainsbury's at Christmas time is is off their head. Unless you're perennial, a charity that I love dearly, we'll talk about that later. But but it's the, the richness isn't to, to use the cliche, the richness isn't in, in the money, certainly. It has to be in something else. But but when you've done all of that by by thirty something years of age, uh, I I think probably I took a hiatus and then uh, we've done obviously show gardens, but even in the show garden department, I think we had the last one we did in in Ireland anyway was 2008. And we had a 33 foot pleasure cruise boat 
Um, we painted it pink with black tinted windows. There's, there's a reasoning behind that again. That's conversation for another day, but I'll shorten it. <clears throat> and it ended up uh, opposite the main stage at a music festival called Electric Picnic while the Sex Pistols were headlining. And, and, and again, you're sitting there going, how did I end up in this situation? But you turn around and you're, you're the, the best in the world are, are by your side. And I mean this hand on heart. In some cases, that's perennial and it's Ed Burnham and it's Sherry Carmen and it's the Garrett Wilsons and it's the Andrew Bennett's of this world. And on other occasions, it's 15 years ago and you're looking at this giant size festival, 50, 60,000 people and you're scratching your head going, what a, what a, what a, what a day. And they're saying, Another day. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> but it's a good one, you know. You can't you can't argue with that. So that brings you up to about 08. And then I think um probably in, in 18 uh was where the internet maybe became alive. And uh, I was one of 14 designers internationally selected to represent Ireland in this case. Uh, Andrew Fisher Tomlin represented uh, Wales. Uh, uh, Fisher, Tomlin and Bowyer. And then uh, the Bassons represented uh, England. Uh, it was covered, I think, in the RHS magazine by uh, former editor Chris Young, another gentleman. And uh, we, or I, ended up with a, a 13th century castle, making a garden 30 foot below street level in a dried up moat where we were the only garden with permission to dig down because uh, there was a fear we might stumble across uh, bodies. And you you scratch your head and, and you ask the question again, how did I how did I get here? But but I should caveat that for your listeners, Joe. Um, um I remember coming home from France and I was joking about this earlier on about Irish dads and Irish just being Irish. And you're not allowed to get above your station. You're not allowed to take compliments. And I came home and I said to my dad, um, you know, he asked you a question and but he didn't want to hear the answer if you get me he was shown an interest but but not and he said how did you get on in france i said do you know they call me monsieur architect and he said that's great how about you cut the hedge out the front <laughs> and i said thanks dad and he went yeah go on and that's the end of conversation i cut the hedge come back in he goes right i have to go good luck <laughs> that's that's it. So what does what does it matter it, to to me and you and on the horticultural scene? It's I get I get it, it's big, but coming home, you're just you're just Peter. Yeah, and and there you go. Well, so let's if we move forward from the 18th century gardens, backwards from the 13th century chateau, and um, you uh, are involved in something you mentioned earlier that. It, it's basically the Irish DIY SOS, isn't it? Um, and, and you're the designer for that series. Yeah, it's, it's another, it's another, <laughs> it's another freak, Jeff. You, you know, it's you've done your research. That, that's <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm. I'm scratching my head, going, "How does he know all this information?" It's all um, out there, Peter. I, it's all out there. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm I know I'm humbled. I'm I'm very grateful, but it's unusual to hear uh, nice things considering my, my aforementioned dad who I miss and love very dearly, I should add. Um but i I'd got a call from 
at the time, uh, a wonderful lady who I'm still good friends with, uh, Anne McLaughlin, and Anne rang me and said, we, we, we heard you doing a radio interview somewhere in, 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 in Dublin, I, I believe, and we'd like to have a chat with you. I said, sure. Uh, she said, we, we do a television program that hasn't come to Ireland yet called DIY. And I don't watch television. My TV has been disconnected for decades at this stage. No apparent reason. Just we put an extension on the house and, and I, then I couldn't have been bothered um, connecting it back up. And and that was that. And, and so I didn't know anything. And they came out and I was in my head between us. I say between us both, but... I was sort of saying, geez, if I had a penny for every time I heard, I must get you your own television program, I'd have been a millionaire at this stage. So when they said television, I went, yeah, whatever, great, I'd be, I'd be the new face man in the A-team. Nobody cared. It'll be fine. They came out and I was cleaning out the Jeep. Would you like a cup of coffee? We sat in the Jeep. We had a cup of coffee. I was in a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. Big woolly head on me. And we, we had a chat. And we got talking about the things that you know, France and how you build a garden 30 foot below street level and blocking off a town in France and how you piece that together and do it within timelines and man hour unit calculations. And, you know, there's methodology in, in how you do it and how you get it across the line and don't lose money and don't and remaining calm at all times, but it comes, it always comes in on time. And I've never got it wrong in 21 years in business, never got it wrong. I've never had a series of designs thrown back at me ever and and I don't like getting it wrong I like there's an arrogance about you knowing that which in in part comes down to who's by my side when that gig is being done and they rang me and said we'd like to make you a, a, a purple shirt but I didn't know what a purple shirt was and if your listeners know DIY SOS then I now know the four main people in that wear a purple t-shirt but I thought they were saying we'll crochet you one, so I or or make it out of marzipan. So I replied, "That's very nice, you. thanks very much." I think a note came back saying it doesn't sound very enthusiastic or, or alluding to that. <laughs> anyway, we're offering you a part in a television show, and and then I did some research and went, "Oh, I, I get it." But they they gave me carte blanche, and so I think in series one. Uh, the first garden was about two acres. We we ultimately seven and a half days to build it. The, the second one uh, <clears throat> was was another bit of a, a freak with giant sized pink structures in it. And then the third one, I think we ended up bringing in a one hundred and thirty ton tower crane and uh, craning in uh, we we a rocket ship which was a bird hide. Uh, but the bird hide and a rocket ship doubled up as a tree house, if you will, for a young kid. And we telecommunications between the house. So you could sit at the kitchen, turn on the TV and watch the kids inside the rocket ship. <laughs> and at nighttime, it became a disco. And it was, it, it was all precast walls that didn't need to be built on site. So all of the stuff I was doing was things I had done before. But in show garden building, if you will, done within six and a half days of a build, Everything was fast tracked. There was no bringing a brick layer, put down a foundation, plaster that wall, scratch coat, two sets on the outside, wafer to dry painted. You can't do that in six and a half days. So you bring it in precast with the stipple effect on it, hole cut out of it, crane it in, buff done, and that's it. And and then it escalated onto season two, 
which we've which is yet to air. I think that airs April third, and you're scratching your head saying, "I'm the series garden designer for Ireland's most watched television program, which will be exported at some stage of the game." We're we're back to the we're back to the thing of how did you get the 17th, 18th? How did you get the the boat? How did you end up at the castle? How did you end up with the television program? And and I I I'm just I'll go back and say it, Jeff. I surround myself with very good people at all times, and and you never fall too far backwards, really, when you've got that arrogance because you know who's behind you, and you've got that confidence because you know you can do X with these people by your side. And ultimately, if if that's the secret, I'm also terribly good looking. I have a great sense of humor. And uh, <laughs> and the last two you can discount. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, so the the, arch- the architect, the French architect, comes home to cut hedges. Um, since yeah. <laughs> since DIY SOS, surely when you've been uh, in the supermarket, you've been spotting a few people giving you sideways glances, nudging each other, and saying, "That's Peter Donegan." No, no, and I, again, I'll say it, it doesn't happen in Ireland. Um, it's, it certainly doesn't happen in, in, in Ireland. A joke in the local pub when I'm I'm at home um, uh, <laughs> is is ultimately. I, I think I was with Lee Connolly, who you would know. Yeah, and Lee and Lee and me walked into the pub, and I, I'd been telling him there's a friend of mine, Jack. Uh, and he is a very good friend, I should add, but but he's up there with my dad. You have to appreciate nothing is serious. How great you are, it doesn't matter. You could be the, the queen of Sheba and uh, or, or, or own a pony. Nobody's, they're interested, but don't brag about it. We'll ask you when we're sort of ready. And, and I was saying, Lee, you've got to be careful when you walk in here. If I get insulted, it's nothing personal. This is a welcoming, it's an endearing thing. And I walked in the pub and Jack was really nice. And he said, hey, Peter, how's it going? And I closed the door again and opened it again. Then he insulted me. And I walked in and I shook his hands and I sat down. So it, it's it's sort of it's sort of funny. But at the same token, uh, I, I'll go back and say it. There's, there's a bit in that TV show on a serious sense where it's not money. Um, I think the upshot maybe is little people in my head become vilified. Because they, I get to make things that are different, or I came from from inside the the, the head somewhere, and and when you draw, when when Chloe who works with me draws twenty four pages of technical drawings, <clears throat> excuse me, and we we hand them, and people who don't understand the technical drawings, uh, maybe as well as you and I would, they see that I know what I'm doing, maybe. And then we explain it to them and then we build it. And then they go, oh, my God, it was just like you said it would be. And I'm going, I know, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's in the drawings. I'm kind of saying, well, I told you, like on day one. But it's now episode, say, eight or nine has been done. <clears throat> but when you when you get to a young girl like, like Amy Mulcahy, who was told that she was incompatible with life, uh, 13 years of age, went below water, uh, and she learns to walk again. And I, I don't say this for for you thinking better of me, but she learns to walk again. Ultimately, on something that was a giant sized pink and a giant sized gabion, but we had measured the distance 
of the arc of her hand, her tongue to her index finger, the height to her waist, the depth of her um, her last knuckle going to the end of her tips of her finger. So we could build in the walking assisted frame into this. There were no steps in the garden. Everything was 1,500 wide. Everything was um, uh, connected to, to uh, modern technology. So should there be a fall, she could go Google Home, call mom. Um, but the mirrors were tinted, so she had a privacy when she was doing her exercises because the breakfast room of the house was directly opposite facing. So you looked out and you saw, and very common say normal, if I may, pardon my language, I hope I, I word that correctly, Geoff, but you create what is considered a normal garden, not inverted commas, a, a garden for somebody with a disability. And my definition of a garden for somebody with a disability, and again, I apologize if, I, if I've got this language incorrect, uh, uh, but more to get the point across. That is wheelchair height by definition when we get a spec in. It's wheelchair height, raised vegetable bed, arm into the middle, uh, accessible from both sides. And you're talking somewhere around about 1,200 distance in between one raised vegetable bed and the other. And Amy was a girly girl, to quote, the host of the show, Baz, another good friend. And there's a lovely scene in it where he's painting her nails and she's talking about the day before the accident for herself and her friend went and got her fake tan done. She's not a, a, a vegetable farmer. And we had to make a, a, a girly, inverted commas, family garden. And, and we did that. But you wouldn't look at it. And my whole thing in the remit in my head was when she gets better, this won't need to be edited. We won't need to take out the handrails. Like and if we went into my auntie's house and you saw the, the, the bathroom that had been amended to suit her needs when she got a little bit more aged, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And I didn't want this for a girl who was this young, who I knew was going to get better. And we got sent a, um, a little uh, Jerry Maguire foreman in my throat here, uh, but we got sent a beautiful video by our producer, Joe, and it was Amy walking from the gates or the doors of the children's hospital to her car for the first time, surrounded by the nurses who'd actually put in the application to the television show. And you turn around and you say, like, that hasn't aired on television, but you, you there's a little child inside my heart that says we did something good and it transcends the, the, the what Peter gets maybe from it or, or how people might look at me. I Ultimately, I'll say what I said early on this morning. I will not put up a photograph of, of any garden we've ever done until it's done, complete, one. Two, rarely will you see behind the scenes. And I think number three is, is ultimately when you see the, the client smile inverted commas client to that I don't like that word but but when you see them smile but, but in this case it's when you know that the the gradient that you've made on the access through the garden works for a young girl that she actually did learn and you scratch your head and say how did I become a part of who let me into the to the nightclub how did I get here? Um, but but you can't you can't get it wrong in a stage like that is what I'd say. And if you're not good at what you do, it's that confidence meets arrogance again of who's by your only because of who's by your side was that garden able to cross the line and 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 yeah, it's just it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um so we're we're playing a bit of leapfrog here. Our chronology is all over the place. So what I'd like to do now is jump ahead of the thirty well. Now, actually, I can say jump ahead of the 13th century chateau. Let's go back to the 13th century chateau because they've asked you back. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they did. You, 
you, you scratch your head again and go, I'm, I'm, I'm 45. There, there must be a pattern emerging here. I, I, I think I'm starting to disbelieve my dad's insults uh, or, or, or non-compliments, maybe is a more eloquent way to put it, and, and think that I'm actually decent at this thing I've been doing under my own name for, <laughs> for now, 21, <laughs> now 21 years. Apologies for laughing. Um, but yeah, what, what, a, what a compliment. The, the first garden, as, you, as noted, was, was 30 foot below street level and we tried up moat. Uh, this garden has been, let's spade a spade, two years in, in, in the planning can uh, I, I better just clarify that this this chateau we're talking about it is it's it's is it the national or the French War Museum? So what it is is it's a Chateau de Peron, which used to have fairy tips on uh, church-like tops on on top of the castle, uh, a Rapunzel, if you may, fairy tale style castle with five columns, uh, cylindrical columns. Columns. My apologies. Uh, Learn to talk again. He says across the face of it and a moat in the middle. And then it fell in the Franco-Prussian War, the First World War, and again in the Second World War. And so the fairy tale tops of it became uh, battlements or what we would know as U's and N's going around the top for defence. Uh, and then 30 years ago this year, they celebrate their anniversary as what is Europe's largest war museum. But it's not a, a war museum as in a collection of, of things and bits it, it tells a story, Jock, inside. And so it goes back to when Peron was a, a town of richness and, uh, and, and wealth, which is what some castles are, and why it became uh, ultimately a defence. And <clears throat> you go through the uniforms inside the castle, and then it starts to become war. And the uniforms start to change, and it explains why. And you then end up in the, the propaganda side of things where it's the request from uh, um, Britain to Scotland and Britain to Ireland to, to come across and fight uh, in the Great War. And, and there's beautiful posters, but they're propaganda nonetheless. And the one that always stands out to me is, is a, a, a dad, granddad or dad sitting with two children on his knee and they're saying, um, father, what did you do during the Great War? And he's sort of pondering, going, I can either, you know, it's a choice of two answers and it's a, it's a come and cross and go and do the thing for your, for your country. But you end up going through the far side of that and out the far side and you realise there's, you know, there's not really any good comes out of any war at all. And it explains this, but it also shows the aftermath with, with, with artworks by, by a guy called Otto Dix. And, and the artworks uh, sort of illustrate what, what happens when the war is done, what happens to the minds of the soldiers and the, the divorce rates go through the roof because the man that you fell in love with, or the, in this case it would have been, when he came home, it, it was never the same uh, ever really again. And uh, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of harrowing, but it's a, it's a good education for for anybody who wants to understand, I guess, a little bit. And, and the French are very eloquent in, in showing and, and making it known that there are two sides to every single one. And, and what we may have seen or how we would have received that information, well, you know, there's, there's two sides. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it or like it, but it shows both sides. And so it's a very balanced view of that. In the Courtyard Garden, it's, it's a slight bit of a different one because the 
when you bring young children in, you can't show them the artworks of Otto Dix. I would always, whenever even Ed, uh, Burnham, Ed Burnham uh, impromptu on his way to Disneyland turned up one day uh, because Peron doesn't sell Guinness anywhere in the town. And he, 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 he rang me one morning. <laughs> I'm sorry. He rang me one morning and he said, where are you? I said, I'm in France. He said, I know that. Uh, and, and he texted me a photograph of him standing outside the castle. And, and I was, I'd been working 16 hours a day and I, I ran down to him and it was him with the kids and, and he <laughs> 12 cans of Guinness in a Tesco bag. This is bananas. Um, apologies. But even when Ed, Ed came in uh, with his beautiful wife and family, like I did say to him, like, don't bring the kids into this part of it. It's, it. You don't want to see it. It is really harrowing in a sense. And so the garden is the welcome, the internal courtyard garden is the welcome for that. And you have to take things a little bit softer. So we've got a lovely uh, angel. We've worked with a company called Skyboy. And um, inside, they, they, they have the, the nurses sort of come to life from the uniforms. You hold up your iPhone and, and it does that virtual reality thing. And she explains, you know, this is for amputation. But look, and I'll park that conversation there. Um, but when you come outside, the angel is like a, a mythological uh, figure. And she speaks about the dragon and Don Quixote. And it's rumored that he would have remained in the castle at some point in time. And um, talks about, you know, be careful of going down to the dungeons. Now, she alludes to the war but not in a big way. And we've, uh, again, I'll reference education and, and the main function of that castle. It's research, it's education, and it, it's, a, it's a learning, if you will, so that the entire back wall of, of that medieval remain that, that's still contained within, um, we, we've put a, a, a medicinal herbarium, if you will, of plants that would have been used around that time. And, and there's an educational part with it's 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 very different the, the garden and the moat was very much of daydreams and uh, uh, metaphors and so things were hidden it was a join between what was a place where as was well noted to me Geoff the only thing that ever happened in that moat was people um, passing away you mm. know and, and now now and my job was to make a place where people would come in and sit and have conversations and, and look to the future and this one has maybe an element of that where you know what it's about because it's a it's got battlements on the top of the castle and you know you're going to the war museum because your parents are bringing you there, but you can't have um, the 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 boogeyman if I will sort of scaring you away the minute you walk in the door. There's, there has to be a subtlety to it and and horticulture. It's quite hard to get upset about horticulture, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah. So we're in France. Um, and you mentioned, well, we touched earlier on James Basson, who was in one of your uh, episodes of the podcast. Um, and, and you asked some very interesting questions, but um, I'm going to uh, fire one back at you that you asked James. Mm. I thought it was a very simple but interesting question. Um, what is cool about being Peter Donegan? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I... There, there are, you are up there with Garrett Wilson as just being, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think uh, the, the one thing, uh, I think in my, my, in my head, uh, <clears throat> whether we're doing uh, 
18, 20 hour shifts on a, a television program or, or whether on a different level, but I understand why people would say the pressure is on you. And we're doing a garden in a castle in, in, in France. Things that are, when you get it wrong, it's more noticeable, maybe. <laughs> you can't go back to the client and say, look, the weather's a bit bad. You've got three weeks. That's it. We'll stop. We're, we're rocking on. Um, and I, I think the one thing that's probably cool about being me is, is when, I, when, I, when I genuinely turn around at any of those pinpoints that you referenced where there's a, a certificate or a shiny thing that comes from it, I'm, I'm never on, on my own and I'm invariably with the best. And I will, I'll give you who's who for a minute. Um, I remember ringing Ed Burnham, an extremely good man and extremely good friend. Ed had just built Naomi Farrah Cohen's garden at uh, Chelsea, where they'd won. Uh, I'm open to correction, this apologies, Naomi and Ed, but I think it was a silver medal. And I had just come back from France and I rang Ed and said, I just spoke to Anna Skibnevsky Ball, who was the then show manager for the RHS for Cardiff. This is Christmas Eve, I should add, at <laughs> about 20 to 5. Um, and he just went, I'm in. I didn't even ask you. And he just went, I'm, I'm in. And uh, he said, make the next phone call. And I rang Howard from CD Stone. And he went, Harriet, what is it? Uh, and I said, I need it. He goes, look, whatever it is, we're in. And so I sent in the, the, it wasn't an application. I had an answer back within an hour or so. But like the question would ultimately be, why would Ed Burnham, who's done a Chelsea, and Peter, who's done a big shiny castle, go and do a spring show in Cardiff? And, and now you realize it's not about money and it's not about the medal. It was like Ed's answer was, well, why wouldn't she? You asked me. And, and, and now it's not of money and it's not of medal and it's not of style of show or name of show or, or my ego. But the, the final night of that, it was Stephen Bennett, a couple of the lads from, from Perennial, uh, a 180-plus now-year-old charity. They were celebrating their anniversary. And why would you do it for Perennial was ultimately the question. We hadn't any money. Andrew Fisher Tomlin and Sherry Carmen came down to help us on, the, on the, the planting, which is baffling considering how many Hamptons and the, the things that Andrew has done in his career. Oxford Planters rang me one morning and said, how are you doing? Do you want us to make it for you? And I said, what? And they said, oh, for God's sake, Peter, would you like us to make the kitchen for your garden? And you're sort of going, oh my God, you you sang 99 Red Balloons. You're Nina, this, is this really, you want me to go to the prom with you? It's up there. And, and then you ring Mark Straver and the list goes on. And the final night of that is us in a pub called the Grange Pub in, in Cardiff. And the former head of shows, Stephen Bennett, is sitting there. Tim Howell has, who, who we would all know and love dearly, and Tim has come down as well and had a couple of points with myself and Ed. And you, you look around the room and you go, the, the catalyst, it's the same again, it's the press repeat. The catalyst is the, is the garden. It doesn't matter where. It's not about money. Their egos are on par. We're all cool dudes, if I put Use the eloquent version of it, and <laughs> what a what a it's in just another one of them where you turn around and go, what a time to be, what a time to be alive.
does does it make sense? Like we like we could have we could have in in a nutshell we could have gone to a Chelsea, and we could have gone to a, a Hampton with it, and we'd have looked better. But that's that wasn't the objective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the objective, and and yeah, it's good, it's good, it's it's good. But I think that's probably the that's probably the best answer I can give you at this that's, point. That, that's perfectly fine. Um, but you did you touched on perennial there, and that's something you mentioned earlier. That uh, I know you're that's something you're you're quite passionate about. How, what have you done for them, and how, how are you involved with them? I, I think um, I think I <laughs> first ended up uh, removing my clothes for perennial. I, their, I I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> apologies. Uh, I hope you're okay. Since, um, but yeah, we were in we were in uh, queue. If I was a queue, I think it was, uh, and um, I think they the call came in saying, "Would you be up for it?" And, and when perennial call you on a genuine serious note, you just put your hand up in the air and go yes. Uh, but I I think the bit in post that became well how do you do a little bit more um and the next thing became well well why don't we just do a garden for them and get the name out there and so we ended up on stage and i think that was lovely part but i ended up on stage to to a, a two or three i think i did two or three talks for them uh at, at cardiff and it, when when you get into an a, an association, an association, if I may, just for a minute, excuse me, uh, and they're talking about having Dickens read and the remit of the head gardener who would have been put off the land. For those of your listeners who aren't aware, briefly, when the head gardener back in the day, back in the day, 180 years ago, retired, he had nowhere to live. His house was on the, the land or the grounds of, of where he worked. And if he got injured, which happened a lot because health and safety really wasn't what it was, maybe, we got to find a replacement. The ground still need to be maintained. So perennials remit became to give a place for for people who wear that head gardener or gardener somewhere to to ultimately go to. In in short, now their remit is a little bit more. And this is the bit that I think uh, falls in with me dearly, and I, I genuinely love it. And I wish there was more of it. I wish there were more rainbows and 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 angels like them. But if you're a grown Irish man like me then you tend not to turn around and go hi Joff would you like to come over for a glass of Chardonnay or Prosecco I've, I'm after splitting up with my wife or my girlfriend or boyfriend and my sewing machine doesn't work apologies for my language like I don't know the, the, the car broke down and I'm upset I don't I've never done that I've ever in my lifetime but I have a soft spot for when when I spoke to Anita and she's explaining to you that that I wouldn't be on my own in that regard. I would just deal with it differently. And so the biggest thing, as you'd be well aware, is is grown men, not just Irish, aren't great at talking about things that are wrong. And when that goes wrong, when it goes wrong financially and you fall on hard times, you can pick up the phone. Literally, just pick up the phone and go, hi, I need help. And they'll come in with the accounting people and they'll, put you on the courses and they'll, they'll get you back on track and they'll, they'll sort out the bills. But, but it, it does mean you have a place to go to when it feels sometimes like there's no other place to go. And I think the gist I seem to get is sometimes when a depression or a dark cloud, maybe is a better word, sets in, sometimes the business goes by the way 
not going out becomes an easier solution, but it's not always the right thing to do for the long term. And, and perennial, I'll go back and say they are a wonderful bunch of absolute angels, and I I can't speak highly of them. And uh, and and it, what a what a humble honour to be part of something that they did to celebrate their their one hundred and eightieth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now our time is coming to an end, Peter. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm just going to do I'm going to do something for you very quickly, and you can sort of narrate as it happens. It won't take long, I promise. Um, so, explain what I'm doing. <laughs> you're you're unbuttoning your shirt, which is slightly unusual. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, there's going to be radio silence for, oh, for God's sake. Okay. Ta da! <laughs> so there was there was about um I'll I'll tell you the, the story briefly. There was a that's a sod show. You better t-shirt. explain what's it's a sod show t shirt under my shirt, yes. We we rang it, we had the, people were asking me how do we support you and I was trying to say to them, Look, I don't want your money. Um uh, they were trying to support the podcast and I was trying to say I don't want your money. Uh, and they said, Well but we wanna like buy a t shirt or a mug. So we rang um two spots coffee friends of mine and I said would you make me 50 mugs and we'll just post them out impromptu and people were asking me how do you win them and I said you have to be a legend that's it so we sent them out with a bag of coffee they paid for it all fair play to them credit where it's due and then we rang another guy we knew and we said uh, would you make us a t-shirt and he said how much do you want to make off it and I said nothing just to know that they're they're out there and we were walking down Dublin city centre uh, was it Dublin? Was I in King's Cross? I think I was in, in King's Cross. I was going to, funnily enough, uh, St. Pancras, uh, where the lover statue is uh, upstairs. And I was going to meet uh, Jamie Butterworth, funnily enough, and a couple of the guys from London Stone. And there's a guy walking towards me with a sideshow T-shirt on. And I went, oh, my God, you've got a... <laughs> Obviously not in that sort of tone, but uh, oh, my God, you've got a... Uh, anyway, and he went, who are you? Who are you? And I, I went, sorry, mistook it for somebody else. Sorry about that. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's it. It's, and I, I'm kind of going in my head, is that my dad in disguise? Is that? But yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> APL Awards next, Joff. APL Awards. That's the Association of Professional Landscapers. When's that? That is the day after St. Patrick's Day, which is the 18th. Mm-hmm. Uh, perennial as by the way have um their gig is on the 17th so i hope i'm hoping i arrive in on time for that day but they've they've got a gig on the 17th i think it's usually about 10 or 15 pounds uh to support yeah. them and um yeah big thanks to, to paddy plus anchors for for inviting me the last time I was at the apl awards i spoke with it with jamie oh, i was gonna say are you speaking at this one i don't or know can you sit back and put your feet up I I don't know. I'll I'll be talking to um, uh, Phil Tremaine, another gentleman. And but but I realise I I can't be on absolutely everything. I had the same conversation with Jim Wilkinson from Futurescape, and I was asked was I speaking at his Futurescape event coming up? I think that's the fifteenth. And I said I I can't be on your television and speaking at every single event you go to. It doesn't work that way. I need to make space for other people. I need to let other people get a word in, and I'm, but that's my sense of humour. I apologise, but yeah, I'll be there. I'll be flying in 17th if anyone's around for a pint, and on 18th, and then back out that night. So, um, where can my 
TV exec friends or indeed anybody who's listening to this uh, get hold of you? Website, social media, where are you? Uh, I think probably just Google. You'll find me LinkedIn or Instagram. I've eased up on the, the, the Twitter, uh, certainly during the, the last um, couple of years anyway. Uh, but, but Instagram, I think LinkedIn, Facebook, one of them places you'll, you'll find me. Google Peter Donegan. Google good-looking yeah. Irishman who makes gardens abroad. And yeah, although I, I, I did indeed Google Peter Donegan, and I got a singer. Is there an Irish singer called Peter Donegan? I know it was Lonnie or something. He's re- this is really odd. I, I mean, this, this is truth. He's a relation. It's either a son or a brother is Peter Donegan of Lonnie. And so the odd uh, time I get these notes going, uh, great gig, thanks very much. Uh, lovely to see you at the Hollywood Bowl or wherever he's been playing. <laughs> and I always reply back. I stopped saying, you know, oh, that's not me. And because uh, one person replied to me once saying, ah, that's funny. And I'm going, no. <laughs> anyway, so I gave up. And so, but yeah, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> How did we get into this point of a? I think people will, will spot the difference and uh, and track you down one way or another. Yeah. Um, Peter, it's been fantastic speaking to you. Thanks so much for your time. I, I will say, Jeff, hand on heart, thank you genuinely so much. I know you know I'm a huge fan of yours, and and if you, if your listeners haven't heard it, go back the episode before and and pick up the one with Alan Sargent. It, I said it to you earlier on, it was it was like a horticultural person in my head who, who just you wanted to close your eyes and listen to him tell you stories forever. An amazing conversation between the both of you and, and I've, I've listened to it three, four times at this stage. So thank you for having me on and a genuine pleasure. Once again, many thanks to my great new sponsor, Genus, the world's only brand of high-performance technical clothing, specially designed by gardeners for gardeners. They can be found at genus.gs. I can be found at joffelfic.co.uk and love hearing from you. Do send me a message with questions or anything relating to the show. If you enjoy podcasts but worry you may be missing out, go to my website where I've got a list and links for all the UK gardening podcasts available. If your favourite podcast isn't on the list, or if you produce a UK podcast that I haven't included, let me know and I'll get it on the list straight away. That's it, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. With the weather slowly warming up, I expect we'll all be looking forward to a bit more time outside, enjoying the plants and feeling the warmth of the sun on our skin. In the meantime, may your secateurs be well honed, your box free of blight, and your phone crammed full of all your favourite gardening podcasts. I'll see you next time.